This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Is it time to work with Democrats on this, given that they have all this opposition from the right flank on the CR? Cut a deal with Democrats to get Look, this I, I, I've been, I've been uh, this isn't the 30th. We've got a long ways to go. We've got a lot of different ideas. I, I credit our members over the weekend working together from the Freedom Caucus to the um, uh, Main Street. They put up with an idea. I'm, I'm for a lot of different ideas, whatever gets us to be able to get through, and I'll continue to put more ideas on the floor. But with a razor-thin Republican majority, he can only afford to lose four Republican votes, assuming all Democrats vote against it. And the same goes to maintaining the speakership. If there are more than four Republicans voting to oust him, Democrats vote to oust him, Kevin McCarthy is out of a job. And in a warning sign today, one member, Victoria Sparks, a Republican member of his conference, wrote a scathing statement about the speaker, saying, unfortunately, real leadership takes courage and willingness to fight for the country, not for power and a picture on a wall. It is a shame that our weak speaker cannot even commit to having commission to discuss our looming fiscal catastrophe. McCarthy was just asked about those comments too. He again downplayed it and contended he'll be able to fight these issues, fight these people who are trying to battle him and try to get the bill to avoid a shutdown done by the end of the month. After that, there's clearly an appetite among some hardline conservatives to shut down the government if they do not get what they want. They're fine with that. Yeah. Do you know how long they will be fine with that for and what might plan B, C, D or E be for Kevin McCarthy? Is there a point where he goes to Democrats and says, help, help bail me out of this? And do they say yes? Maybe it's not as explicit as that, Katie, because certainly an ask like that would trigger that long talked about motion to vacate that some on the hardline side of this conference have long talked about. And frankly, some are eager to actually enact. But I think that this could go the way that we saw the debt ceiling deal go several months ago at the start of the summer. McCarthy has this opening deal that passes through his conservative conference. It then goes to the Senate. It's dealt with with the White House. Everyone comes together and comes to a more palatable bipartisan deal that puts McCarthy in hot water with his own members, but it also allows them in this case to keep the government open in the same way that it allowed them to avert a debt ceiling crisis back in May and June. That could be one way this goes. That's almost a rosy view, though, when you consider the fact that now many hardline conservatives feel that they were sold out during that debt deal, and that's why they're holding so strong right now. They want to use every piece of leverage that they can from holding the government into a shutdown to actually holding McCarthy's job hostage if it means that they can get what they want. And yes, it's spending. Yes, it's border focus. But it's also several other key provisions that they say McCarthy agreed to when they made him speaker in the first place back in January, but that now they feel he's reneged on. So as much as this is about spending, it's about impeachment. It's about the border. It's about a whole bunch of other stuff that's not directly related to spending either. That's why it's so hard to solve.
Monday, 18 September, the year of our Lord, 2023. Things are moving uh, quite quickly, and we've got one of the top experts uh, and one of the fighters in this, uh, Congressman Tim Burchett, is going to join us here momentarily. I want to read the names out. Uh, Congressman, it's Biggs, Bishop, Bobert, Buck, Burchett, Crane, Gates, MTG, uh, Corey Mills, uh, Norman, Oogles, uh, Rosendale, Sparts, uh, Anna Polina Luna, Paul Gosar, Tony Gonzalez from Texas, and added since this morning's Bob Good of Virginia, and Captain Wesley Hunt contacted the war room and said, please add his name. He is a hard no. Captain Wesley Hunt of West Point in the great state of Texas. Uh, Congressman Burchett, uh, you've been a, uh, sir, you've been a fighter about this. And, and, and instead of getting lost in the weeds of, you know, the going back and forth to to and fro, because you have been there from the beginning and saying, hey, this country's in a financial mess. The good folks in Tennessee, too, are tired of it. Have you seen anything in this process of, of McCarthy or any of these guys that have gotten to the heart of the essential question that we have $5 trillion that basically comes in in tax revenues and receipts and tariffs, and we have $7 trillion that we've agreed that Biden can spend, and that $2 trillion on an annual basis has to be financed by printing money at the Federal Reserve? Is, is anything in this process shown you on appropriation or anything that we get basically get our arms around what the fundamental basic problem economic problem, financial problem we have in the country, sir? No, absolutely not. And thank you for having me on, Mr. Bannon. Matter of fact, we are just past $33 trillion in debt. And you're correct. We'll take, and basically it's pretty easy. You take in $5 trillion, you can't spend $7 trillion unless you're going to spend your great-grandchildren's money. And that's exactly what we're doing. And that's, that's at the bottom of this with me. That is the most important thing in this whole thing. We can get off on all these woke policies and border security and all those things are crazy important, crazy important. But it's all for naught if if we lose our country and we will lose our country through this financial mishandling. And that's why we have the Republican majority, I think. And that's why we didn't get it by a greater amount, because we didn't we didn't capitalize on the fact that America realizes we can't keep spending money. We can't keep paying people not to work. We can't keep paying people when they come over the border. We can't keep funding these wars in these countries that people can't even find on a dadgum map. Yet we still do it. And then, and, you know, and I saw the bean counters yesterday put out a, a notice or maybe over the weekend that this thing was going to cost, if we shut down, it was going to cost us $3 billion. And man, there was gnashing of teeth and and everybody's running home to hide behind their mama's skirt. Well, we gave $114 billion to Ukraine without even ask, without, with, with, with no strings attached. So this thing is, uh, and I think the fight's far from over, but, but the American people are speaking. And that's why you're seeing more and more people jump on this bandwagon, because we, cannot, we can't keep going down this path of spending money and saying we're going to cut 1% of some gimmickry kind of stuff that we know won't go to the Senate. I tell send something tough over to the Senate. Make them vote it down. That's how you negotiate. That's how I, you know, I always go back to I raise the speed limit in Tennessee. I asked for 85, but 70 was the magic number, and that's what I took. That, that's a great way to negotiate. When it, you spent, we just spent six weeks in recess. I know you spent a lot of time with your, your constituents back in, in Tennessee, too. Yes, sir. What when they talk to you, what do they say about this situation? What would they? I'd like to know what the people in Tennessee, too, when they talk to you, what do they want to see accomplished in this process right now? I think they just want simple 
Tennessee common sense. You know, in Tennessee, we have a balanced budget. Um, we don't have an income tax. We have incredible surpluses. As a matter of fact, one of my friends in the state said I used to serve in the Senate for many years, and the a saying around there is, if you want to create more revenue, cut more taxes, cut more government. Allows the people to flourish, and that's unfortunately that's lost on us in D.C. Everybody's got their little pet project, and that's what gets us in trouble. These two thousand page bills that people pass, they they read down, you know, to the first couple of pages, and they find their 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 town and and their special project, and they just vote for the whole thing. I, matter of fact, I'm proposing um, I'm, I'm proposing some legislation. I doubt it'll even get out of committee or get a hearing. That just basically says you break it down to individual things that you have to vote on, and we vote on them on the House floor. If they're worth it, let them let them get the the acquired required number of votes. If it's not, that government they it, it loses. And this this omnibus CR and all this other garbage I, that's all gimmickry. Let's just pass a budget. You've got a budget committee. Jody Arrington chairs it. That government let him let him get a budget. Let's get it out there. Let's get it out there and show the American people. And if the Senate won't vote for it, let's force their hand. Let, let's play ball. I, I'm sick of it. If we ask for a 1% cut and send it over there, I mean, what the heck is that? The uh, 30th of September, for, for your constituents, is that, like, in D.C., you see CNN's running around, Fox News, MSNBC, they're in complete meltdown. The government's going to shut down. The government's going to shut down. The government's going to shut down. Is getting to the core of the problem a higher priority for your constituents are these false, phony deadlines that are set up by, by leadership all the time? It's balancing the budget, Mr. Bannon. September 30th is just another date on the calendar, and they realize it, and they talk about it. And I, I was in the airport this morning flying out of Tennessee, and they were saying, I expect we're going to a shutdown, aren't we, Burchett? And I said, probably. And they said, all right, well, that's what we, you know, that, that is exactly what we're prepared to do. And um, it's not anything we want to do. We're not trying to cause harm, and we know what Washington will do. They'll they'll blockade all the veterans' memorials, and when our veterans come in on their honor flights, they'll stop them from seeing it, and they'll cause uh, they'll they'll make the harshest cuts they can imagine to cause the most pain. But the American people aren't buying it anymore, Mr. Bannon. They have had it with this whole thing. They've had it with this notion that that uh, uh, we're not. That, that we're just going to keep spending money and printing money. We can't do it. We can't afford it. And you want to drive us towards Marxism, which I'm not so certain. This I'm uh, sort of thinking in the back of my mind, this is the ultimate plan. Collapse this, this country, collapse this economy, and then, uh, then you'll see what happens. So two big structural elements. you got the appropriations bills, and I just heard that they're canceling another vote. The fly-in vote got canceled tonight on, on health care. You've got the appropriations bills that haven't come through regular order, and then you've got the balanced budget to actually show us how over five years or six years or ten years you, you start to cut this thing down so we don't have a $50 trillion debt before we know it. And those are both hard. Are you recommending we just go back and take as much time as we need to really go through the appropriations bill, get out the woke and weaponize, however long it takes, it takes, and also yep. tackle a balanced budget? And if we go through 30 September, we go through 30 September, but you hunker down here and you guys stick around every weekend till it gets done. Is that the core of your recommendation? I, 100%. As a matter of fact, we, we knew this date was coming up, and yet we, we were off the whole month of August. And the reason we're off the whole month of August, they do it right before 
primaries, and they so they can't do it in an election year because it looks like we're just doing it for elections. So they do it every year. But everybody knows that game. We should have been here the whole time. They know what's going on. It doesn't matter. These folks will run it right to the right to the deadline and push everybody into a tight spot. And you know, I don't care. I'll stay. I'll be here Christmas Day for all I care. Um, I can celebrate the, the birth of Jesus in Washington as easy as I can in Knoxville. But I'll tell you, this country is, is we're on the brink. We are on the brink. And don't kid yourself. This is just, I mean, COVID showed us a lot of things, but it showed us just how gullible and stupid we are that we trust this government. And this is exactly what's happening right now. But I'll tell you, the people in, in, in Tennessee don't trust what's going on, and they see the scam that we're, we're we're, you know, it's both parties. Look, when the Democrats get in, they push, they spend all the money on this woke stuff or whatever. When we do it, it's these bogus missile defense systems and, and aircraft carriers. I saw something where we're buying more aircraft carriers. Why in the world do we need aircraft carriers? <laughs> it's not my daddy's war. War. The Japanese aren't going to bomb Pearl Harbor on December 7th of 41. Seven months later, we're not going to roll out across the Pacific, and they're going to be island hopping. The next wars aren't going to be fought like that, yet that's how we're spending this money. It's This is all about protection. It's all about keeping people in power. It's not about doing what's right for this country. And shame on the Republican Party if we play ball with them on this thing. We ought to, we ought to pass a clean, uh, a clean budget and send it over to the Senate and let them vote it down. Hakeem Jeffries just came out and said uh, that this is the, even the CR is a right-wing uh, thing and that the only way McCarthy's going to get anything done is a clean CR. Do you see any support, whatever, in the, in the men and women you know in the, in the Republican conference that would vote for a clean CR right now? I think there are some, yeah, sure. I think you've got 15 that are going to hold the line, though, on this, this crazy spending. It's all just gimmickry, CRs or omnibus or whatever. Let's pass a budget. We haven't passed a budget in, in over 20 years in Congress, and that's, that's criminal right there. We are, we, are, we are not doing our sworn duty right there. And I, I just think we've Com- we, we just miss it. We, we're totally misinterpreting the American public right now because they know what's going on, and they're fed up. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back. And the question I'm going to put to Congressman Burchett on this side and have him answer it on the other, he just said he thinks the country's on the brink. And his constituents think the country's on the brink. What does he mean by that? Short commercial break. Back with from Tennessee to Congressman Tim Burchett in a moment in the war room. Former KGB colonel Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, is no friend of the United States, called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS conference in South Africa. As Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. We call this the de-dollarization movement. Now, as demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. That is why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. 
with thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon at 989898 to claim your free information kit. Use your agency. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Congressman Andy Biggs, uh, Dan Bishop, Lauren Boebert, Ken Buck, Tim Burchett, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Corey Mills, Ralph Norman, Andy Ogles, Matt Rosendale, Victoria Sparts, Anna Polina Luna, Paul Gosar, Tony Gonzalez, at it now for this afternoon, Bob Good of Virginia, and Captain Wesley Hunt of the great state of Texas. Um, those are the ones, and I keep hearing, my phone's been blown up, that others are going to join this because they, they look into it, and quite frankly, as their constituents give them the old what for, they're sitting there going, yeah, maybe this is not such a good idea. That number's 202-225-3121. Make sure your congressman hears what you have to say about this this afternoon because this is supposed to be voted on Thursday, although I think this will get pulled. Congressman, you just said something pretty controversial. Both you and your constituents in Tennessee, too, believe the country's on the brink. What do you mean by that, sir? I think we're on the brink of um, a total capitulation of democracy. I think you're seeing, I mean, you see 15% of the population goes and votes. You've got our public colleges and institutions basically mass-producing folks with Marxist tendencies. You have professors, of course, that have always had. And... um, and now, you know, it's bearing the fruit. We are, we're seeing it over and over again. And the push for more taxes, more government, and moving further and further away from what this country was founded on. And I, I, I think the, um, this capitulation that you're, gonna, you're seeing in Washington of, of folks of, that you would think would be conservative, come from conservative districts, um, the spending is out of control, and that, is, that will spiral us out of control and uh, you'll see the the inflation. I mean, the inflation we've seen, if a Republican had been in office, you know, they would be marching on the streets. Uh, but because of the national media and Hollywood and the rest uh, embracing this this far-left agenda, you're, you don't see it. But it's they're, they're taking it from us, and it's not just little bits and pieces now. It's leaps and bounds, and this spending is what will do it. This spending is what we'll do. You figure in eight years, the largest single item on our on our budget will be just simple interest on this loan that we're we're making to whoever the Chinese or whatever. And we're you know we're watching all this other stuff going on in the world and the country, and yet the spending is just out of control, and it is about to bust. You, and I think it's about designed been, by some know, folks. With get, well, no, that's what I want to oh, get yeah, into. This is exactly the point. This could no 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 this couldn't happen. You, with Norman and a couple of others, had been most consistent about this. You know, Matt and other about impeachment. There've been other issues, getting the woke and weaponized out, the border security. You know, there's a lot of issues. But you've sat there from day one and said, if we don't get this spending out of control, and you've called them liars, 
about the numbers they're put, putting forward. What is it about leadership? Because these are not dumb people. Um, what is it about leadership that they have not listened to you to date when everything you said has come to pass? And you can see overtaking this recess, there's something up there. They don't want to get into these appropriations bills. They don't want to have regular order and, 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 and present because they don't want to do the cuts. So what is it about leadership that just wants to avert this? Because this crisis is going to be a crisis of mathematics called a, uh, the law of large numbers. As you just said, this yeah. interest is going to kill us and going to kill us pretty quickly. What don't they get about this? Uh, I think they just want to be in power. And they just want to be leaders. It's a ego thing. It's it's whatever we can do to keep them in power. There's a movie. Um, it was a, a World War II movie, and this this Nazi um, uh, tank commander, he and this other guy were there, and they were and the and the guy's son had gotten killed, and they were trying to get to the fuel. And he said, "We get to the fuel." He said, "Well," we, and the uh, his underling said, "Well, we win the war." And he says, "No, but we'll we will continue to fight." And knowing that they'd lose eventually, but it didn't matter. It got them through the fight. And that's what this leadership, it just seems in Washington, leadership is all about. You know, everybody said, let's get the majority so we can do all these things. Well, let's get the majority and cut our spending. Let's keep our word. But no, let's, let's, let's uh, increase our power and increase the country's debt in the meantime while nobody's paying attention. It's just, what's the difference between us and them? Man, you know, they're going to spend it on a bunch of woke garbage. We're going to spend it on worthless missile defense systems that we don't need. It, you know, it's still debt, and it just, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just an ego thing with them. And, um, and I think we need to start, look, we're going to have to start looking, looking within here. We're going to have to make some tough decisions here in the next couple of weeks because if we don't, we will wreck this economy worse than it's ever been. And it will be into the abyss, and I'm afraid we won't be able to pull ourselves out of it. You believe that this, uh, what the mainstream media is calling the civil war inside the Republican Party, this this will be the crisis moment about this spending. Do you believe that that it will uh, that the reckoning will include a change in leadership in the House? I don't know. I think it's going to light the fuse. It's going to always be there. You know, Matt has said that he'd, he'd bring it forth here pretty soon. I don't know when that would be. I was asked today if I thought it was this week. and I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Matt's a, Matt's a tactician. He gets the game. And, um, and when he, he figures out it, he, he'll have the most, uh, you know, and he believes it. He, he believes we need to do it. And it's, it's pulling a lot more people in that, that don't need to be, that wouldn't have been. But this budget thing is just, it's just beyond belief. I do not understand I just don't understand. I don't understand why they're doing it. Well, I do understand. They want to stay in power, and I get that. Everybody wants to stay in power. and um, But at this point, um, you're going to wreck the country, and we need to do what's right. We need to do what we said we were going to do that gave us this very razor-thin margin. But, in fact, we are not going to do that. We're going to go the opposite direction, and they're going to try to squeeze the us 15 or 16 that are against this thing and, and hurt us as much as possible instead of talking to us. When you, you see the tough decisions that have to be made when you talk about appropriations, budgets, you know, the $2 trillion gap we have, Zelensky's in town on Thursday. Do you think that's appropriate for him to come to town in the middle of this historic fight over balancing our own budget to ask for more money, sir? No, I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give him a penny. Uh, you know that. But the point is he's going to hit us when we're, I think, again, we're diverted. And they're going to, and the left and 
and some of the moderates in our own party are going to use this. Oh, we've got to we've got to keep funding them. We've got to we've got to turn the tide in this war. And um, and if you talk to some of the people who are over there, the uh, the checks and balance over there is way out of hand. The money's going all over the place. You got the World Bank is crooked. You've got um, it's going to other continents even. Apparently, I've talked to people. I had coffee with a fellow who was in the supply chain of that and was just telling me just how ridiculous it was of the amount of, of armaments and money that was going over. To, you know, we're paying for people's pensions, for goodness sakes, over there. And this guy's coming over here with his handout for more money. Um, I, I, don't, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think we need to say thanks but no thanks. Send him back home. We've given plenty. Folks in Tennessee, too, what, what, what is their opinion on this topic of more money to Ukraine, sir? Absolutely not. I go, if I mention that in the crowd and I say I'm not, I'm not going to vote for any, any more money for them at all, we've given already $114 billion unchecked dollars, usually I get a standing ovation. It is, it is through the roof. Con- People are that committed to this. They understand that no more money. We've got to take care of problems here. Uh, before I leave you, I only got a couple of minutes. I know you got to bounce. But uh, NASA came out. And, and one of the reasons Burchett follows this so closely, this thing about the UFO and the aliens, is about is the government honest with the people? This is the back of the Kennedy assassination. This is the back of this. We, we are not getting diverted chasing shiny toys. This is about what the government knows and what they're prepared to tell the people. NASA just came out and said, all of your investigations, everything you've been doing, and some other people have come forward, it's all, it's all nonsense. They've proven that these are just uh, different aerial phenomena and have nothing to do with uh, UFOs. Uh, your response to NASA, sir? Well, in the first paragraph, they allude, though, that they would like to study it more, which means you and I send in more money to them. And again, uh, you know, since 1947, <laughs> they've said this thing doesn't exist. There's 56 pages of misery, and uh, that's your tax dollars hard at work. Um, you know, it's like Schumer's plan about everybody was cheering his idea about getting all this information, forming this department that would that would okay whether any information got out or not. If it, if it was a national defense issue, well, guess what? It's all a national defense issue. We'll put another billion dollars to the war pimps at the Pentagon. And guess what? They will give out nothing. This thing is a cover-up. It's a it's a it's a toy in the in the in the Pentagon to to pull more and more in your dollars away. It's a the Pentagon has been audited in the history of audits have never passed an audit. At one time, um, Buck told me Representative Buck told me that they had sixty percent of their assets unaccounted for. They lose billions of dollars every year. I mean, give it a break. They just keep wanting more and. And the federal government just wants more and more of your money. It's all about the money. It's about power. It's about control. It's about look over here. Don't look over here what we're really doing. And they just want more money from us, Mr. Bannon. And, they, and then they said, we want to do collaborative. You know, that's the new word within the hipsters. Let's collaborate. You know, let's collaborate. I hear that in these leadership groups all the time. And, you know, they do some think tank and they come up with a new adjective every four or five years. Um, a few years back, it was codependency. You can't be codependent, or whatever that is. And now it, it, it's collaborative. They want to collaborate with other agencies. So what they, they want more money that because these chuck wagons can't pick up a dadgum phone and call somebody else at the Pentagon. That's what they want. They want more money. And we should say, just give us the Cut. files. Let me know. I can handle it. 
Amen. Congressman Burchett, how do people follow you on social media and where they go to your website to find out more about you and your fight? Yes, sir. At Tim Burchett is my Twitter, and that's the one where I, I, I take the gloves off. I've got an official one, but the cool one's at Tim Burchett. that always gets the Bannon bump after I, <laughs> I'm on here with you, Mr. Bannon. So thank you, brother. <laughs> I look forward to you coming to Tennessee. Thank you. I want You're to introduce you to some good, good, hard-working patriots. We love Tennessee, too. Love the folks down there. Congressman, thank you very much, and thank you for leading this fight for fiscal sanity in our country. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Back, back in a moment. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. you get the feeling that the unthinkable is going to happen soon? Well, I do. But between the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Let me repeat that. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare today with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious food kits offering over 2,000 calories every day for optimum strength under stress. And don't forget about water filtration and purification products. These are perfect for your bug-out bag, survival supply, or your camping pack. One thing is for sure in this world. We all need to stock up before panic sets in. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what is coming. So prepare with the best. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action, action, action. You know, the, 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 very, the very positive scenario of AI is... Um, actually in a lot of ways uh, the description of heaven um, in that um, really nobody, nobody would need to work. I wouldn't even call it universal basic income. I'd say it's probably universal high income. I'm describing the, the, the best case scenario here. Um, so I'm not saying this is definitely what will occur. There's a range of scenarios from very negative to very positive. The very positive scenario is basically sounds like heaven. You can have whatever you want. Um, you don't need to work. You have no obligations. Uh, any illness you have can be cured. Um, you know, and, and uh, when, when do we die? Well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be a choice. Yeah, I, th- I think it probably ends up being somewhat of a choice. Also, that everyone gets a great education, right? You know, everyone has that story of that one teacher that they had who paid attention to them and inspired them on a specific subject. Imagine if you had that teacher for anything you wanted constantly and just how much better people would we be, how much better would we relate to others? Like, that is just one example of the kinds of upsides that are possible. And I think the question of, well, what does it mean to be a human? You know, if you back to how do you predict what's going to come next? Um, actually, the, the thinker who I think had the best foresight about how the AI revolution was going to play out is actually Ray Kurzweil. Um, you know, he... I agree. Yeah. And his, his book, Singularity is Near, gets like a lot... Um, I think that people, uh, you know, kind of assume it's going to be this almost like just sort of religious text, but instead it's a very dry analytical text. And he just looks at the compute curves and he says, this is the fundamental unlocker of intelligence. Everyone thought that was crazy. And now it's, it's basically true. It's basically common wisdom. And part of what he says is, look, what's going to happen is in 2030s. First of all, he says AGI 2029. 
I yeah, mean, I keep telling people, it seems to be almost exactly right. It's it's spooky. It's spooky. Um, 2030s is when the merge happens. Uh, so we've got Neuralink coming, uh, and uh, you know uh, maybe 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 other systems like that. And what does it mean once you actually are kind of merging with with an intelligence? Okay, I want to thank HomeTitleLock.com for sponsoring this segment. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Make sure that as we talk about cyber here, that cyber criminals cannot get and get their hands on your title uh, to take out a second loan, a second mortgage on your property. 90% of your net worth is tied up in your home. Protect it. Joe Allen, the book Dark Aeon, it's a must-read, a must-get, a must-gift to people. Right there is Elon Musk and the folks he's talking to. They're basically, and this is what they do behind closed doors, folks. That's why we bring it to you. They say, hey, the singularity's here. And as we've said on the war room, it's coming in 2030, baby. It's not 2050 or 2060 or 27. It's within the lived experience of this audience. And this audience is in their 70s or 80s. The lived experience, the singularity. Elon Musk and this crowd, they buy often as, as, as it, and that is the convergence of all these technologies on what will be Homo sapien 2.0. Joe Allen, your thoughts and observations of this quite scary conversation you just presented to us. Yes, Steve, that occurred in California. That was Elon Musk, Benjamin Netanyahu, Max Tegmark of MIT, and Greg Brockman of OpenAI. Uh, what they were talking about, when I say that transhumanism is a techno-religion, that's what I'm talking about. Elon Musk describing AGI previously, we'll get to that tomorrow, previously as a digital god. They're talking about a world run by AI or a world dominated by AI being basically heaven, uh, then Greg Brockman talking about uh, every person on earth being able to have an AI as their primary educator, their primary source of information. And I thought, really, Steve, you know, Elon Musk has oftentimes shied away from the idea of the singularity. When he was interviewed last year by Business Insider, he described something very different. Now, with the recent advances in AI, uh, there you hear him assenting to Ray Kurzweil's prediction of a singularity. And, uh, of course, uh, Brockman couldn't get away without talking about Neuralink's critical role in merging human beings with machines. So um, maybe people don't care that the wealthiest man on earth, that one of the most uh, powerful political leaders on earth, uh, a very influential MIT professor and, um, you know, a, a chief at probably the most powerful AI company on earth, OpenAI, talking about uh, our future, the future of all humanity in terms of an apocalyptic singularity and human beings merging brains with brain chips, uh, I would say it's probably the most relevant topic that we could possibly be discussing. Yeah. We're, we're going to have you on tomorrow to go into more detail, but you had those four different leaders, and it was the matter-of-fact nature. Remember, this is not our future. This is their future they're creating because I'm not so sure most of this audience is going to make the cut to travel to that. You talk about the great repl replacement theory. When people talk about great replacement, they're talking about ethnicities or races or, or colors or religions. That, that's not what this is about at all. This is the replacement of Homo sapiens by something else. There's a book about communism. I think it's called The Gods That Failed, right? It's about the gods that they put up as, uh, as you know, the, the, the communist. 
and different than God because they're all atheists and those gods failed. This is where they're trying to create gods. They're trying to create this. They're trying to create at least the beginning of it that then builds itself that we have no control over. And it's the arrogance and smugness of that crowd. And what I call Elon Musk, these these people are the, uh, I call them a man-child. That's what all, if you look at all these people associated with it, these geeks associated with it, they're all on the spectrum. And they're all quite dangerous. The way they don't have any discernment, they don't really have any judgment. They're very dismissive of people and dismissive of humans, quite frankly. And you see right there where they're casually say so you say Elon Musk shifted. I, I disagree. He lied and misrepresented, tried to tried to hide it. Right? And now he's coming out full bloom. And what Neuralink because Neuralink is much farther down the road. And that is going to be one of the leaders in one part of this of this uh critical segment for, for, for the singularity, which is the merger of man and machine versus the silicon chip in the brain, Joe Allen. Uh, the point you just made, uh, Steve, I think is probably the most important, especially for people in our audience, that there are definitely two sides to this, this dream. There's the, you know, there's the fantasy side where everyone gets to live forever by way of artificial intelligence, maybe nanobots, maybe genetic engineering, all of this sort of thing. Death becomes a choice. It's very religious in its orientation. Obviously, what happens after you die is maybe the religious question. Uh, and so for them, it's a world of AGI gods and digital immortality. On the other end of that is the rest of us, the mass of us. Uh, the primary use of these technologies seems to be to keep us pacified, to keep us under control, to keep us deluded and trapped in these digital reality bubbles, and occasionally to uh, wage war against, with one side against the other, such as we saw during the pandemic and many other times uh, in recent history. So, yeah, you know, maybe the most disturbing element uh, as they discuss this, this new future world and its promises and perils, uh, even in the most benevolent version, all of us are left useless. We are then the useless class. We have no, nothing to contribute to the economy because in their dream, AI and robotics will do it for us. If they are 100% correct, that means that our lives just simply slide into meaninglessness uh, and we have zero negotiating power because we are useless eaters. Uh, if they're half correct and everyone is trained to basically become a machine symbiote and to expect machines to take care of all of our problems, then you have an entire generation or at least a decade's worth of wasted time on these pipe dreams. Either way, what they are saying for them is a dream uh, from my perspective, and I think many, if not most in the audience, it is a pure nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Let, take your number two pencil. That out and write this down. The deplorables are not going to be the deplorables are not going to make the cut list. You're not going to make the travel squad. Okay, deplorables. When those guys in Silicon Valley and your betters and the Elon Musk's, the, when they're sitting around thinking great thoughts, you're not making the traveling squad. I just want you to deal with that. That's one of the reasons we got to address this now. We have to take this on now because if we don't going to have ramifications that have not been seen in human history. Dark Ann's the book. Joe Allen's our editor, all things transhumanism. Joe, give us your social media. We'll be back on here tomorrow morning to go through this in more detail. Quite shocking. We'll have a lot more polls in that conversation with uh, Netanyahu, Elon Musk, and, of course, the rest of the cast of characters there. Uh, what's your social media? Where do people get you in the book? 
Uh, you can find links to the book at the top of uh, jobot.xyz, also uh, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z, Twitter and Gitter. Uh, find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, or Skyhorse Publishing. And uh, also, just to note that uh, pretty much the entire conversation and uh, uh, half of the characters on that stage are central uh, focuses in the book. So if you want to understand how we get to this point, uh, it might be a good place to start. Joe Allen, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Our editors for all things transhumanism. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Steve. I got a terrific film from a great guy. Let's go ahead and play the trailer for this, and I don't want to bring him on board. One of the one of the best guys in the Trump administration. It can be said that for everything we wish to learn or want to become, there is a road to follow. From the beginning, the road to believing in only one true God, the maker of heaven and earth, has carved its route through the ancient land of Israel. It is a road that Abraham, the father of nations, walked as the first believer in monotheism. It was along this road that God made his covenant with Abraham, promising that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. It is a road walked by Jesus, the central figure of Christianity. This road is deeply symbolic in the story of God shared by Jews and Christians. And it is a literal highway that bisects modern Israel, where it is now known simply as Route 60. Route 60 follows the ancient path from Nazareth to Beersheba. It connects many holy sites and biblical events in what could be called the original Bible Belt. It has mile markers, human and divine, to memorialize the acts of celebration, suffering, and salvation that are woven into Israel's history. I'm David Friedman, and I invite you to join me and my co-host and fellow traveler, Mike Pompeo as we explore the ancient mysteries of Route 60, the biblical highway. Ambassador, we got about a minute on this side. I'm going to hold you through the break uh, to join us afterwards. You were critical of moving the, emba- the embassy to Jerusalem and the Abraham Accords, one of the most productive uh, and tough members of the Trump administration, Ambassador David Friedman. Real quickly, give us 30 seconds. Why, why were you inspired to, to – I, I didn't, wouldn't think of you as a filmmaker. Why were you inspired to go make this film? Well, because I'd never done it before, so that was the main inspiration. Uh, it's always good at uh, 65 years old to try something new. But the, uh, the, the main thing is that, like, in four years in government, I, I came to realize that uh, the entire diplomatic architecture of the United States as it came to Israel was based on trying to ignore the, uh, the biblical sanctity of the most – diplomatically sensitive part of the country. And I wanted to uh, bring this issue to life. You know, the Bible sells about 2,400 copies an hour. It means a lot still to a lot of people. And the values there are the values that make us a great nation. And um, they come from Israel. They come from this very sacred land that is not understood by by the public. And I, I wanted to take this area, which people think is just a real estate dispute, to show what it really is. Amen. Hang on one second. We'll take a short break. 
the original Bible Belt, Route 60 in Israel, Ambassador David Friedman on the other side. I am the last person on earth to nag you about your diet. I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't. And you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable and field of greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy. You'll look better. You'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. Do it today. Action, action, action. Your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, we do a lot of capital markets on this show. It's one of the reasons the working class audience loves it so much, one of the many reasons. Uh, three days that changed the direction of the United States, 13 to 15 August of 1971, President Nixon at Camp David. And it was not to make peace. It was basically get us off the Bretton Woods Accord by stopping the convertibility of gold my two-year study with Birch Gold on the end of the dollar empire. We've talked about everything in advance, years in advance, de-dollarization, the BRICS movement, all of it, central bank digital currency. Go get the fourth chapter, the assassination of our prosperity, August 13 August, 15 August, 1971. Read it. It's, it's incredibly relevant to this debate we're having this week on the $2 trillion deficit that's in perpetuity, what this fight is all about. And the CR is going to be beaten. Um, and I've got a lot to say about that in the next hours. We're going to talk about Ukraine, Zelensky, uh, a lot of things get into the finances and the economics of it all. Ambassador David Friedman, look, the original Bible Belt, Route 60, and nothing could be more relevant than to make sure that people understand the real- reality of the nation of Israel and what is there. Is that what inspired you to make this movie? And talk to us about the original Bible Belt, Route 60. Yeah, I mean, it is. And uh, and, I, and I'll tell you why. The, the, the diplomatic world that I, you know, entered and left uh, over the four years that I was in the Trump administration, that world speaks of a place called the West Bank. Now, the West Bank is the most diplomatically sensitive part uh, of the Middle East. And uh, people talk about it in terms of security. They talk about it in terms of terrorism. They talk about it in terms of uh, the demographics. They talk about it in terms of the Palestinians and the Israelis. But they bury the lead. They never talk about what this land really is, which is the most sanctified or the most majestic, um, the holiest part uh, uh, of the entire world. It's where the entire Bible took place. It's where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob 
where they had their journeys and God you know, gave them their, their, their promises and their covenants. It's where King David ruled. It's where King Solomon ruled. It's where the prophets preached. It's where Jesus walked. It's literally where all of our Judeo-Christian values come from, where the wisdom comes from. And no one's talking about the West Bank except as some place that is, you know, a real estate dispute. And, and, it's, and it's nothing uh, like a real estate dispute. We call it Judea and Samaria. The Israelis call it Judea and Samaria. Theologically, it's referred to as Judea and Samaria. We're called Jews because we come from the kingdom of Judah. I mean, this is central to who we are and it's central to who the Christians are. And what's, you know what's great about it? When you see it, when you see all these stories, and Mike Pompeo and I, we go from place to place and we recount the Bible stories that are attributed to these places, and we speak about what it means to us and the, you know, the morality that comes from these places. What it does is it takes all the Bible stories that we know about it, and it takes them from the world of legend, you know, from the world of myth, and it brings them into the world of truth, because we actually see the places where these events took place. We see the archaeological evidence of these events taking place. We bring the Bible to life, and we bring it to a point of truth as opposed to a, a myth. And, um, you know, I fear that, uh, you know, we as a nation have grown so untethered from the wisdom and the teachings and the values that come from the Bible that the, the best way to reconnect uh, is to see it. I mean, the best way to reconnect is to be there, but it's hard to be there. It's hard to be there because it's far away. It's hard to be there because a lot of these areas aren't safe. Not everybody gets to go to these places with a security detail in an armored vehicle. As, as Mike and I did. But um, seeing, uh, I think, is extraordinarily powerful to a viewer who, who, who studies the Bible and, and who sees the value and the power of biblical prophecy. And so I'm so happy to bring this to a wider audience. It's just, uh, it, it's the missing piece, I think, of the entire, you know, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know, people talk about, uh, you know, things like, uh, like, you know, terrorism and security and all that stuff. But you know what? Uh, rather than talk about the fight, we should talk about why people are fighting. Is there something worth fighting for here? And the answer is yes. It's very much worth fighting for. Ambassador, the amazing thing, you're starting this in theaters tonight and tomorrow night. We're going to put up the link. It's in 1,500 theaters nationwide, so you can actually go to a theater and experience this as it was shot, as, as a big motion picture. Um, talk to us. How long, is it going to be in theaters just for the, initially for the two days? So we're doing a two-day run in theaters. You go to um, Route60.movie, R-O-U-T-E, the number 60.movie, and you can type in your zip code, and it will direct you to the, the theater closest to you. You can buy tickets and select seats and go enjoy the movie. I think it's great for families. I think it's great for people who want to understand the, the, the text of the Bible and connect it to the places where the uh, biblical events took place. And um, you know, I hope people you know, learn something about this and care. If they come away from this caring about this holy territory and, and, and understand, can't just give it away. Can't just deprive people of access to it. Can't just negate you know, the 3,500-year-old history uh, of, of Judaism and Christianity that has had so much influence and so much power over, over what we are today. Ambassador, uh, thank you for making this. We're going to put it up. We'll, we'll also address it tomorrow to make sure that we get as many of the War Room Posse as possible to the theaters. Uh, once again, what site do they go to? And what's your personal social media so people can follow you, given all the great work you did uh, in, the, in the first Trump administration? 
Thank you. So it's again, route60.movie, R-O-U-T-E, the number 60.movie. And um, you're, everyone is welcome to uh, follow me at uh, David uh, M underscore Friedman uh, on Twitter. Um, uh, I, I appreciate people uh, staying in touch. Uh, I miss I miss all the great people I used to work with, and I, I, I miss their their passion for making the world a better place. Well, Ambassador, you should know that in the second Trump term, I guarantee you, you'll be on the short list to be Secretary of State. So. You're a person someone should follow on Twitter. Thank you very much for making the film, and thank you for taking time to come here. Thank you, Steve. God bless you. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Okay, I want everybody to load in on this film. Ambassador Friedman just laid it out there. It's a, it's a, it's a just like the United States is not an idea. The United States is a nation with borders. Israel's just not an idea. It's actual a physical place, a physical place. And this this film will show you the beauty of it, and also how it relates to the Bible that you read every day, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. Make sure you go to birchgold.com, download the fourth episode. It's here, the fourth, fourth installment. It's free. I've been working on this a long time. The three days in August of 1971 that changed the direction of American economic history. You have to understand it to be part of this debate. Remember, you're the driver of the action. Next, we're going to go to Rome. And we're going to talk about Zelensky. Zelensky's here on Thursday. He's looking for billions more, $24 billion at the start. We want to know what you think. Short break. Back in the war room with Ben Harnwell next. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. 